Yet it is Jared of the GM live from Beaton Terry's Tavern outside of Bridgestone Arena at the Sobro entrance. Preds tonight against the Washington Capitals at 7 o'clock. Uh, by the way, Floyd, yes, the sir. XFL has just dropped a batch of names for the XFL draft. First draft. Which I guess is going to be October 15th and 16th. So next week. The XFL draft is going to take place. Okay. Now, I'm going to watch the XFL on TV because, I mean, look, I, I enjoyed spring football last year. I didn't watch a ton of it, but if there was nothing else on, I watched it. And so I'll watch probably the XFL this year. But uh, I just literally did like a scan of the names to see if I recognized anybody's name. Other than some of the Louisville guys that are on there. I'm not sure I really recognize anyone's names except there's a couple Titans. Like Elliot Fry, the kicker from South Carolina, is on the list. Uh, but there are uh, some former Titans that never made it out of the preseason. Are Cole Wick, the tight end, is going to be in the XFL draft. Uh, Jamel President, the linebacker, he's going to be in the XFL draft. So some interesting names that are going to be out in the XFL draft. But a lot of them, to me, look like the you know the computerly the computer generated names from like a video game or something. They're like going to uh, if I if I'm not mistaken, the um, it's going to be based on kids that aren't eligible for the NFL that can that are out of college for whatever reason and get a bunch of those guys to play. Well, they're going to be. Which would be interesting. They're going to. What apparently they're going to do is they're not going to have an age requirement. So Trevor Lawrence might be like the first example of this, where they'll let Trevor Lawrence go to the XFL after this year and start making money. Right. So if you're Trevor Lawrence and the XFL offers you a million bucks, do you take the million bucks, play one year in the XFL, and go to the NFL? Do I? Mm-hmm. No. You wouldn't take a million bucks. No. What if they offer you five million bucks? Well, I mean, I'm sure there would be a price that would that would fit, but but the bottom line is, you go there and you may never play. You get hurt, and, you know, you're done. Take out a loss of value insurance, so, and you get yeah. five million bucks. <laughs> and that would last so long. If he goes there and he's the number one pick, he will make uh, what fifty million bucks plus if he's good enough to sign the next contract. Well, can't you make he, the argument? That if Trevor Lawrence were to, if Trevor Lawrence's options were to play in college for a year at no money, or play one year in the XFL for two million bucks, and then go to the NFL either way, you make the argument. Well, if he gets hurt, well, if he gets hurt at Clemson, that's still a possibility. But he's not making any money at Clemson. Right, right. I mean, there's truth there. So, what do you do now if you're Trevor Lawrence? You still stay at Clemson? I do. If I'm Trevor. You just look down on you look down on uh, on the XFL. Well, I'm not gonna. I mean, you sacrifice your college eligibility, and and that league folds in four games. Where are you? Still the number one pick in the draft. Now you don't have to worry about getting hurt. <laughs> now yeah. you're Trevor Lawrence, first <laughs> overall pick. So we have the poll up on Twitter at Jared Stillman, the Week Five edition of the Marcus Mariota approval poll. And it's actually gone down throughout the day. I'm a little surprised. Mariota was originally started off at about 57% approval. Now it's down to 52. But I was surprised because last week was 61. The week before that was 29. So it's very obvious when you look at how the approval poll fluctuates week to week, it's based upon the winning and the losing of the team. 
Team wins week one, Mariota 74% approval rating. They lose week two, much of it was his doing, 52% approval rating. They lose again, 29%. All-time low for Mariota probably. Then they win, and it's back up to 61. Now it's around 52. But the fact that it's not into the 20s, 30s, or 40s does tell me that the fans, and this is just me, maybe the fans don't blame Mariota completely for everything right now. That when they lost to Jacksonville and his approval rating was 29%, they blamed him for everything that was bad about the Jacksonville game for the most part. Of like, he stinks, they're never going to be any good with him, he's a bum, he can't play, all of that kind of stuff. But the fact that it's only gone down a little bit from last week to this week tells me the fans are looking at the same thing I'm looking at, which they're looking at this offensive line, and they're saying, what else would you expect him to do? They're looking at the receivers dropping passes, and they're saying, what else would you expect him to do? And maybe Floyd just maybe, the fans are looking at this the right way, in my opinion, and that is that this isn't all Marcus's fault, even though it'd be very easy just to say it's all Marcus's fault. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt you could watch in any of these games and know the offensive line is struggling, especially if you know, you know, who should be playing in the offensive line. So, I mean, I, I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think most people probably, you know, if you say, okay, well, I'm going to give you this offensive line in the NFL, whoever the offensive line is, and I'm going to give you a great left tackle that hasn't played football all year long, and I'm going to give you a right guard that's never put a jock on. How do you think you're going to do? Well, you're going to say, oh, we're not going to do very good now. I mean, this is going to be a battle. So uh, I, I don't think that would be a shock to anybody. And I think there's probably, I mean, there's probably most people take that into consideration. I mean, how valid are the excuses for Mariota right now? And I know we said going into the year, no excuses. And I get that it would be very easy just to say no excuses, end of story. But, I mean, the excuses, I, I mean, if you're, in my opinion, if you're going to correctly analyze or fairly analyze his play, you have to take into account everything around him that right now is as much of a problem as he is, if not more of a problem than he is. I mean, we've done that for four years. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. For, for four years, I'll do that. Fifth year, no mas. If Floyd, if you put this offensive line in front of him, you would have been embarrassed to put him in the position that he's in right now. Yeah. If you were his GM. Yeah, I you would be have, embarrassed I right wouldn't now. I would not have liked it. I would have been disappointed, you know, how it turned out. Um, but, I mean, it's still the, the, the bottom line is you don't have a choice with Marcus. You know, it's, it's time to be graded, good, bad, or indifferent. And that's, I think that's where we are with him. It's, you're gonna, he's going to get graded this year. And, and where is it going to end up? I don't know. I know, but if you grade him on a math test and you give him a pencil without an eraser, that's not fair in terms of grading him correctly as a math student. I, I, I would say this. I would say if as we went through the multiplication tables, I would agree. As we went through Algebra 1, I would agree. We went through Algebra 2, I would agree. We're now in trigonometry. You need to know it. You don't need the eraser. You just get it right. 
That's not fair to him. I don't care if it's fair or he not. He can't that's, take the snap and not get killed. That's life. That's the way it works. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't. You can. I mean, we've made excuses for him for four years, and I'm I'm just done with it. Simply because you have to be done with it. I mean, decisions going to have to be made. Belvis on Twitter says, "Jared, tell the GM that Brady went 18 of 39 for 150 yards in a pick against that Bills D. Mariota was 13 of 22 for 183 and no picks." What do you think of that? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, why? <laughs> you can't just say you don't think anything of that. I don't think anything of it. Mariota had a better game than Tom Brady did against St. Let me say this. you got to be brain dead to try to compare Mariota and Tom Brady. With those brain two things, dead. you can legitimately, you brain can legitimately compare dead. the week-to-week performance against the same you team. Yes, you can compare. Are, you are brain dead. There is no way you can compare them on any level. You can in compare them any the sport. I mean, there is nothing to it. Yes, you can compare them from the standpoint that they both played the same team on a week-to-week basis. And Brady's numbers against the team were this, and Mariota's numbers against the team were better. That is a fair comparison for that sample size alone. That does not mean that Tom Brady is not as good as Mariota. That doesn't mean that. <laughs> but again, everyone, you want to get mad at Mariota. I'm going to guess. Blame I'm going to guess Tom Brady is probably as good as Mariota. Now that's just me. That's an outsider look at it. Okay, but for everyone to get, but for you to get down on the this is year four, no excuses, and everything went against year him. Year five, not his year five, no excuses, and everything's his fault. Even though he didn't drop the ball, well, I didn't four say times. everything is his fault. He didn't not block, and he still had better say, passing stats. I didn't Tom Brady. say I didn't say it was all his fault. I'm not saying that at all. I mean, we, there's enough fault to go around. So I mean, I'm not I'm not saying the whole thing is 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 his fault. But as bad as it's going, you want to be thrown in with that bag of junk no somebody has to come out of that bag and stand above it all and if he's not the guy as the quarterback who's going to do it who's going to do it nobody that's who no nobody unfortunately the coach can't play anymore i wish the coach could play but he's he is done playing so now there's got to be somebody that's going to stand above all that and that's what your quarterback does. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. Your thoughts on Mariota again coming in at 52% today. Coming up next here on Jared and the GM, does Marcus now, he does not have an interception. Does he need to start going for it just to kind of prove the haters wrong? We'll get into that. And your phones. Jared and the GM plus Crispy later this hour. Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. They're proud supporters of the National Predators. They're who I use at my home. Anytime I have an issue, I go to happyhiller.com. I set an appointment right then and there. Within about five minutes, I get a text back confirming my appointment that tells me and lets me know. Tells me right then and there. 
lets me know right when they're coming. And they come within the window, and they do a great job. And I get a fair price thanks to True Transparency Pricing. That means no add-ons, no special fees, none of that. That's right. I am always telling people out there, and this is more important, I think it's always important to say you're going to get a fair price with Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. Thanks in large part, again, to True Transparency Pricing. It's the name of the game when it comes to Hiller. Again, Hiller, proud supporters of the National Predators and the Tennessee Volunteers. That's Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electric. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Rabel and several of the guys in the locker room have said that, that one of the key problems with the offense is not translating what happens out there and in the meeting rooms into the field. What do you think is happening that's not allowing that execution? Some of it, I think, is just trusting what we do in practice, trusting you know, the looks, trusting everything that we've done through the preparation is, is going to happen, and, and we just got to go out there and do it. So it, it, is, it is tough because when things are moving a million miles you know, a second, it's tough to just kind of trust that what you're doing is, is the right thing to do. But that's just things that we have to continue to carry over in practice and just reiterate to our guys that um, what you're seeing is what you're going to get. That doesn't sound very good now, does it? <laughs> Why are I, I, things not working in practice? We don't trust practice. I don't know what that meant. I don't know what that whole, I don't know what the question meant. I guess, I I, I guess, I, they, I guess they do something in practice and it works. They go out to the game, it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Well, we just don't trust it. You know what works in practice? We don't we don't trust in the meetings. We don't trust the, not, I don't know, not something that I would be very excited about. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, again, I don't understand that. But As we evaluate Mariota, Papa Reese, do you <laughs> feel like there is, you know, something that, that, do you have to at least give him marks on the fact that he doesn't turn the football over? The fact that he has no interceptions on the season and say, hey, at least that's a positive with him. Or Giant positive. Or does he need to say, you know what, Marcus is not turning the ball over because he's not willing to take the shots down the field or something like that, and that's why he'll never throw for 500 yards like a Deshaun Watson did last week is he won't take the chances to get to 500 yards, and maybe to help the offense, Marcus needs to take more chances. Well, we don't for whatever reason. And if you watch, like you watch – uh, Deshaun Watson, or you watch Kansas City, you watch these teams, and when the quarterback throws the ball, there's always a receiver, a DB. And, you know, the receiver either goes up and gets it, comes down with it, or, or not. We don't ever get in that situation because we generally – I think because the offensive line are scared to death to, to throw a, a lengthy pass because we can't we don't have time to get it there. Somebody's going to get killed in the meantime, so everything is coming out quick. I mean, the longest passes of this season are two screens. Uh huh. The Johnu and the Derrick Henry. Two screens. That's the longest. The longest pass. Well, the to AJ for the touchdown at Atlanta. Was but that's 55. The long, I mean, Janus was uh, 59 or 57 or whatever it was. So you've got two. And even John, you know, all three of those, you do, you do. one goes for 75, one goes for 55, one goes for 57. The ball is in the air for a grand total of maybe five yards. Both screens are negative one or two. And the slant 
isn't more than eight or ten. So whatever that figures out to be. So, I mean, we're we're just not, you know, doing a good job or not good at getting the ball down the field. And so, consequently, now I don't know if it's we're not good at jump balls. I don't know if it's we're afraid. I mean, again, I'm, I go back to the offensive line and I just say, you know, we're probably scared to death to try to throw it. And I can understand why. You know, you're going to get the quarterback killed. So, Let's go to your phone, 615-737-1025. Crispy in 10 minutes. Terry, although I doubt this is Crispy, is up next on with Mariota. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Terry. Yeah, man. Um, you know, the Titans have a team in their division who obviously have as bad or worse of an offensive line there in Houston. And, man, Watson has no problem whatsoever putting that team on his back. I mean, it's a quarterback-driven league. We're on, you know, Marcus and the offense struggled to, you know, score seven, 14 points in a game. I, I just don't know how you can say that, you know, five years, man. It's just five years, dude. I mean, the guy is what he is. He's, he's Andy Dalton 2.0. I mean, Watson's down there throwing it all over the place, running for his life, literally. I, I don't see how he's got it any better than Mariota other than he can actually hit wide open people. So it's funny, the higher-rated passer between the two, thank you for your call, Terry, is Mariota. Now, that's probably the only stat that Mariota is better than Watson in, but he is the higher-rated passer. Uh, and for every 500-yard game Watson has, Watson was, you know, 150, and I think an interception against Carolina, they lost the game. And, so, and, and I think therein lies, you know, we wonder why teams are up and why teams are down. There you got it. I mean, you've got a quarterback that at Houston – that is as good as he is. I mean, he goes out there. He doesn't know if he's going to survive that game. I mean, he's running for his life, and he's doing some things. I mean, the receivers have to help him. The, all these people have to help because he has no and hasn't had for two years. And all he does is go out and find a way to win. You know, not that he's he's not winning, you know, 12, 13 games every year. I'm not saying that. But they've been in the playoffs what now? One year. Like one of his years, he's been to the playoffs once. Yeah, he's been he's been a quarterback for what two years. Yeah, but he and got they, hurt. He played six games, got hurt, and then yeah. he played the full season, and they went ten and six. So he goes goes to the playoffs the first full season he's played. I mean, I think and Watson now, was a good you quarterback. Know, you look at where think. they are now, and he's probably got it again. And nobody, nobody in football has hit, been hit as much as he has in the last two years. That's actually well. Maybe the last two years. Yes. This year, Mariota is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Yes. And but, Watson is behind him. Yeah, over the last two years, I mean, I don't even think it's close. I mean, I, I want to say he's he's hit like, I don't even know. I, I shouldn't. I'm I, not going to speculate. I think what you have to do, though, is you have to understand that with all of these quarterbacks that aren't Mahomes or Brady or any of these guys, that they're going to have the 150 game and they're going to have the 300 game. The problem is Mariota never has the 300 that's game. That's it. We just have 150 or 75. Well, no, you have I mean, 150 that's... or 220 against Atlanta. But, you know, 220, like the Cleveland and the Atlanta, he could have thrown for more. They just didn't need to throw for more, which, again, when you're not turning the ball over and your defense, if you score touchdowns and with your defense and the fact that you don't turn the ball over, you'll win every game. You'll win every game, which is why in Cleveland and in Atlanta, Mariota didn't have to go throw more than he did because they didn't turn the ball over and they scored touchdowns, whereas the other ones, 
you know. Frank is up next. What's up, Frank? Well, I got two comments. First, Mr. Reese, I wanted to say thank you for saying Jared is brain dead over Mariota. Second of all, <laughs> I want to say Mariota on his behalf, kissing babies, shaking hands, wins you votes. He ain't running for president, but they don't win you football games. Thank you for the call. I had not one time mentioned that he was a good guy, which he is, but I at no point, none of us have mentioned that, hey, you know what, Marcus is a good guy. Let's give him $28 million a year. I don't think anyone has ever mentioned that, it, although it, it does help you to not be a total jack wagon sometimes. And and it is funny because when, when they ask the players, they always start with, you know, what a great guy or what a good competitor or what – they don't ever say he's an outstanding quarterback and he's our, you know, no, I mean, none of that comes out. Robert's up next. What's up, Robert? So keep bringing up Deshaun Watson, this and that, and Patrick Mahomes. You guys talk about that. I just don't get it. When you look at the team around the quarterback, that's got to matter. When you, you got Derrick Henry, you got Delaney Walker, that's great. But look what the, the Texans have. They have the best wide receiver in football, you can make an argument, plus Will Fuller, plus other pieces. And then you got the Chiefs who have Kelsey, who's the best tight end in football, with Tyreek Hill, who's been hurt, and Sammy Watkins. They have playmakers. The Titans have no playmakers. They need to get some playmakers for that man, to, you know, even if he is dinking and dunking, to break some tackles and bust some things open. And I think that would help a ton. I mean, I think it would help a ton. I, I also, but I don't think that it would turn Marcus into like. I mean, I, I think if you put Marcus on the Chiefs, he wouldn't be accomplishing Mahomes' results. It, oh, no. And, and I think, I mean, I, I agree with the caller from this standpoint, that, that those guys, those teams have some players, some playmakers, you know, especially in Houston, because let's face it, if they didn't have those Hopkins and Fuller, if they didn't have those guys, I mean, the quarterback would be dead, mm-hmm. and, and they wouldn't win a game because they, they just wouldn't be able to get it done. But because they have those guys, and Mahomes, there's no doubt, but Mahomes, and we've talked about this in the past, you watch the number of passes he throws from the pocket. Timing passes that come out quickly, get out. I mean, it never happens. He's always moving around, sliding here, running there, outside the pocket, getting open. And those receivers just run downfield as far as they can, and boom, he throws the ball, and it's all over. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. But coming up next, Crispy is in the house at Pete and Terry's Tavern. We'll get to Crispy, his thoughts on tonight's game with the Capitals. What has he seen through three games so far for the Predators? That is next. Jared and the GM, a reminder, ask the GM coming up at 5 o'clock today where you can win a pair of tickets to Thomas Rhett this Saturday here at Bridgestone Arena. It's Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025, the game. Jared and the GM, along with uh, the greatest, Terry Crisp is here at Pete and Terry's, the proprietor of this establishment. Terrence Arthur Crisp is here with us. Crispy, we're enjoying time at your sports bar and grill over here. Always a treat. Hey, come back in here and meet all kinds of good people. Talk hockey, talk football, talk sports, and the odd time. Talk they- passwords. Passwords, that's us. So Log in, no, Terry The GM and I were just talking about it and said, uh, yes. no, 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 no. We're you tired know, of it. The uh, GM's middle name is Arthur also. Is it? Yes. Okay. So you can't use that one either. Scratch <laughs> that one. I got that first, okay? All right. <laughs> Crispy, what do we think of the Preds through three games? Because I got to be honest with you, Saturday, I came to the game Saturday, and 
I, I, I went right to Hal Gill after the game was over. I told Hal, I said, Hal, they may not have won tonight, but I liked what I saw and how they played and how they competed. They just had a couple defensive breakdowns, and Soros let some in the net that when he's on, he probably doesn't let in. And Detroit, you got to tip your cap to. I love what I've seen. I know it's three games, but offensively, I love what I see from the Predators. What do you see? See, offensively, I'm not going to argue with you. Defensively, you got an argument from me on your hands. The last game against uh, San Jose. And I was, I, I'm still good with our team. I like what I see. I like all the, the vibes. It's early in the season, and you'll the GM and I will be, always say that's still early. But I still did not like the San Jose game. They're a big team. They're a physical team. And just go down the, the our division as to what you're going to meet. They set up camp in front of Pecorini the other night. And I'm telling you, we won the game. As you mentioned, the offense clicked in at the end, and they started some click-click, nice passes, to make some shots. But before that, to get to the point where we got to get to win the game, Pecorini was standing on his head through a forest. He was making saves I couldn't believe Peck was making yeah. through bodies, through legs. And if you watch San Jose, that was their whole game. They got into our end. They sent two, sometimes three guys right to the front of our net, and every shot from the other two guys was right on towards the net. Everything zeroed in towards Peck. What i like to see a little stronger, better now is clear the front of the net for our goaltenders. Let them see the puck. Let them, if they make the first stop, you clear the rebound for them, not the other team getting it. That's my one right now area I'm looking at. Well, that, I, I wonder if they're being coached Soros's, over that. Was that a little bit of Soros' problem the night he played? Yeah, the night that Soros played was that he was stopping. The rebounds were getting out to the other team on that one. We weren't clearing them uh, for him, the little guy. The other night, Pecorini was making the first hit, and, and this is the greatest part about Pecca. When he's on his game, that glove hand of his, he smothers everything, and that kills the play dead. Yeah. You can have four people in front of him. As long as he gets his glove on it, no problem. But he's got to see it to catch it. Well, one thing that bothered me, I was wondering if they were getting coached about like this in front of the net, because it made no sense to me the other night, was on the power play goal San Jose scored. Literally punt, drop, sent over one time into the net. Roman Yossi is standing with the guy in front of the net, but he's not touching him. It's like he was purposely avoiding him. And, again, it almost looked like they were being coached to let the guy be in front of the net, which you know you never want. But I'm trying to figure out, like, is this new system? Is that, like, is it, like what's going on there? Like, Roman Yossi's been in this league, I think, a while. And I feel like he knows not to let people set up camp in front of the net. And, and, the people, and there they are right if there If the people listening to us right now think it's the GM giggling and laughing, and it's not. It's Crispy giggling and laughing at him because he's doing one of his things that I totally disagree with. Him. I mean, but I don't, know how to, I don't know how to cut in and interrupt him because I, he's so stupid. I'm no, watching this yeah. in front of the net. I'm like, what are they doing? I used to tell our guys, listen, guys, in front of our net, if the guy's standing there, don't touch him. Don't hit him. Don't move him because he's there to tip it in or deflect it. So let him do his job. I mean, don't, don't touch him. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds stupid? Yeah. Well... Hey, let him stand by the basket and dunk the basketball. That's what I was looking at the other night, though. It didn't make any sense. Why were they just letting him right in front of the net? I don't know. I couldn't answer that. I used to do this, and I used to have a coach that used to say, okay, if he's stronger than you and bigger than you, and you know it, your smart defenseman was standing right there. You said right beside him. You're watching the play, and the minute that you see that the the shot's going to come or you think it is, now you make your move on him. Now you drill him. Down low, not high, and move him out. I don't care if you move him a foot, two feet, enough to give your goalie. But if you're fighting with the guy the whole time, 
You're doing half his job yeah. for him. You're in front of your goalie fighting with him, screening your goalie fighting. If you're standing, you do it. The smart defensemen, they pick their time and then clear them out. Just clear them out of there. The um, w- One of the things that that I liked with this new offensive scheme and formula, I mean, they're getting a lot more guys involved, guys that we, we didn't necessarily expect. To, you know, tourists, I mean, right off the bat, I thought that was fantastic. Is that is that the change in the lineups, change of personnel, or the scheme, or what is that? Probably a little of each. The, the, the lineup changes were strong now on top, and now the other two lines, and you don't like third and fourth, but the other two lines now have room to move and go, and they're out against the ones that they should be out against and can do it. All of our guys are skilled. Like, when you go through our lineup, we've got a lot of skilled forwards. Yeah. I mean, we're a skilled team. That's not, we've always been known in the league as a skilled team. So, other than that, there's nothing changed except that, you know what they are now? They're getting the puck in deep and getting it to the net. And guys are going to the net, and they're finding each other. I think we use that word chemistry. Well, I, I think that the, each of the lines has a little more chemistry with each other out there now. Who they uh, – Peter is famous for moving people around between lines. Do you see much of that still going on? I mean, he does it all, all year long, we know. No, Peter does. He's good. But Peter knows. And what I like about Peter is he doesn't waste time deciding, is, is this one not working? And this one, this, is this guy not getting it done? Let's pull him out, plug another guy in, switch and him. take a look at that and switch him over to here. Don't wait for 10 games. And that's what I like about watching live when he, when he coaches. He makes his decision, and it makes them quick. And, it, and, again, he's not afraid to move right back to where it was before. Yeah. He doesn't say, well, okay, I'm going to put it back. He'll do it. Yeah. Terry Crisp with us. Crispy, what, along those lines, what do you think, both literally and figuratively, what do you think of the idea today Callie Yarncroke goes from the fourth line to the wing on the first line and Craig Smith goes down? Is that maybe a lack of happiness with Craig Smith's production or is that to give Callie Yarncroke a shot up there? What do you think of that decision? It looks like Laviolette's going to make tonight. If he makes that one, the only reason I can figure out why is because Smitty's been getting chances. But Smitty, and I've been on his bandwagon from day one. Oh, you are the captain. I, I am. I, I'll, I'll admit that. Club. But he's had so he's got to bury the puck. And I tell him, you know, I know, I know. He gets so many chances with his speed in the past, but he, he's got to hit the net. He's got to get it in. It can't just be all these chances. And possibly, maybe, uh, Coach Lav saying, okay, Yarncroak has good hands. He can, but, but Yarn can, he can play anywhere. I mean, you can put him center, wing, defense. It would probably be worth the big pads for you if you want him to. He's that smart a hockey player. And like we said, Lav's not afraid to try something. What? If you don't try it, you'll never know. Yeah. And Lav's not afraid to try. I'm in love with Grandlin this year, Crispy. I, he looks like a player. And uh, David Poyle was on the midday show earlier this week and said, hey, when he came over here, his wife was in one place, and she was having a baby, and his family was in another place, and it was all a lot to, you know, come in and, and move your whole life, and, and that this year he was really able to, you know, everything was set and is able to be focused. I'm not saying David Poyle's wrong. I'm just saying I think he's playing with better players, and that's why Granlin has looked like a true player. Is this the perfect fit for him with Forsberg and Deshane? What have I told you before? What have I told you? You never Still fall in love right. with your players. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you never fall in love with your players. But back to your point, yes, Granlin is a very skilled player. And, yes, Granlin didn't fit in. I shouldn't say fit in. Settle in all the things he had going on in his life and whatnot doing it. I like his game now. He feels comfortable. He's moving comfortable. He's getting to the opening. 
He's now getting to the front of the net, and he's now winning the battles in the corners for him. So I have no qualms with Granlin's game now. I think I like what I see. A, a guy like Turris, after the week or after the game, last game he had, scores and, and everybody was really excited about that. And when you and you played, you've seen this from a number of different angles. If he's not a first liner and he's not a second liner and he is in fact a fourth liner, but he's playing well. Is that will that set okay with him in your mind? To an extent. But if I'm a player, any player, all players have pride, as right. you well know. I don't care. I was never a first liner, so let's get that straight. I wasn't second either. Sometimes third <laughs> and fourth though. I mean third and fourth a lot of times. But I had pride in my job. If I was a third or fourth liner, pride. If you want me to kill penalties, I was in pride. If you wanted to uh, shut down line, I did it with pride. And I think any player, every player has pride. And Turris has pride. And, and let's be honest, a lot of the fans were on him. A lot of the press were on. Yeah, yeah. Turris expecting. Not and, me. No, you were, you were pretty honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you are honest when you said it. You <laughs> loud. <laughs> but T- Turris is very skilled. And he knows he's skilled. And he realizes that when we know around him, he's skilled. So if he can get find his niche and that skill, he's dangerous. He is a danger. He's a goal scorer. But he, and, I, and I think right now he's settling into, you know what? I'm going to prove. I'm going to show it. He went over and did the Whirls and whatnot, played well, come back here. said, okay, you want to try and take my stuff away? Well, they're going to have to earn it. I'm not handing it to them. Do, do you think the Whirls, in his case, maybe gave him some con- I, I, My impression was by the end of the year last year, his confidence was yeah. just shot. Yeah. And, and yeah. you've seen that before, now, oh, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. No matter what they do, they get up in the morning, they're worried about it. They go to bed, they're worried about it. Yeah. They come to practice, they're still on that third, fourth, whatever. And, and, it, and it plays on you. And, and I think when he came back from the Worlds, he played with the best over there and, and was captain of the team good. and yeah. was good yeah. at it. So he thought, you know, he said, hey, I'm still a pretty good hockey player. Hey, I can still handle this and do the job. I'm going to go back over home and show my coaching staff and my teammates I still have it in me. God bless him. That's what I'm looking for. That's great. Crispy, I know that two points in October is the same as two points in April. But at the same time, what is Peter taking out of these early games, these games early in the season? The Preds are having to win or be really competitive Saturday night with Detroit. But what is Peter looking at? What are you looking at? Like, what is the real takeaway from the beginning of the season? Probably as a coach, you're looking at certain players because you know certain players are or where they are that's their level right now they're not going to what you're looking for is where's the three or four youngsters that are going to catch our eye are going to make this team at christmas or shortly after or be next year because we all know what forsberg bring johansson bring rv duchene go on down the line but what would a kid like Carr bring what would Pitnick bring? What would uh, Richard bring to our team? And uh, Tenorti, the big defenseman. You love Tenorti, by the way. I like big, big defensemen. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've seen enough of them against us for crying out loud to say. And I love, yeah, I love big, mean defensemen. I do. Yeah. And I like mean quarterbacks, too, to throw the ball right at you. I know, but, but Tenorti's yeah. been in the league for like... That wasn't meant like, for a pass. That was meant for your nose. Tenorti's <laughs> been around for like nine years and never stuck in the NHL. And yet, Crispy loves him. Hey, I saw him in training camp. I saw how he played. I saw how he, what he did with the other teams in exhibition games when all the other teams had players trying to prove what they could do and how tough they were. And one of the guys that stepped up to the plate for us was Tenorti. End of my speech. 
Crispy Washington in town tonight. Obviously, when the Eastern Conference teams come to town, what's exciting about it is they don't come very often, but you get to see the studs on studs with some of these Eastern Conference teams, whether it's Tampa, Pittsburgh, Washington, you name it. Let me ask you about Washington. Here's my question. How much... How bad was the decision for Washington to let Barry Trotz go? I mean, they last they win the cup. They let him go to New York. He goes to New York, does a <laughs> whale of a job in New York, and now all of a sudden the Capitals like I'm excited for tonight's game. They got good players, but I don't look at them like I did two, three years ago when they were constantly the best of the best in the league. You know what? Trotzy got them when everybody felt that they were due. And Trotsy, being the tremendous coach that he is, was and still is and still proved it, that when he walked in there, he was given the reins. And they hadn't won. And they said, okay, if we're going to win, it was still, who's the other one I'm trying to think of? But, oh, excuse me, back in the Detroit days when Stevie Eiserman was playing with Detroit, and they had the great team but couldn't win, when Scotty Bowman went in there, and they said, Scotty Bowman's the boss. He's the man, players. Let's have a little meeting, and what Scotty says goes let's all get on this ship when Trotsy went into washington same situation he said why haven't they win well there was a reason why they didn't win and Trotsy knew the reason and Trotsy had the reason to it let's play some defense boys everybody knows you can score goals does everybody know you can play defense and ovechkin and Trotsy is no secret when i spoke with him he says i said to him, how are you making out he says crispy i had a great chocolate talk with my players i brought ovechkin in and he says this guy is the salt of the earth he said he agreed. He had, he said, listen to everything, agreed, and listen. Lo and behold, what does Ovechkin do at the end of the season? Takes Lord Stanley over the, across the pond to show him off. <laughs> Excited Anything else you want to know? No, I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, I, I, look, you know, what he did with that team when everybody knew. I want to say they went down 2-0 to Columbus in the first round the year they won the Cup. And I remember everyone's like, they're going to lose a series to Columbus. Trotz is getting fired. And next thing you know, they win the Stanley Cup, and you're like, Barry Trotz, you can't fire the guy now. And then now Barry Trotz is in New York, and he sweeps Pittsburgh in the first round. <laughs> Freaking Pittsburgh, who nobody uh, can beat. He beats them two years in a row. <laughs> Crispy, good to see you as always. We'll all I can say is that I did a good ready. job teaching Trotz. That's all I want to say. Uh, <laughs> I taught him well. Hey, I'll be sure. Oops. When he comes to town, I'll be there sure to let him know you said that. <laughs> Terry Crisp, as always, Thanks, here with My us pleasure. at Pete and Terry's Tavern, where, of course, if you want the crispy, the official crispy cocktail, it's pink, and it comes with an umbrella, and uh, it's definitely sky high to the rocks for the crispy cocktail. Be sure to get that over here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Let me tell you about my guy, T.J. Anderson. That's right, T.J. Anderson Homes. If you're buying or selling your home, you got to get with T.J. Anderson. Why? Because T.J. knows the market. That's right. The other night when Turner scored, TJ texted me and was like, ah, he's paying what he owes because TJ knows the market. That's right. TJ knows exactly what prices you should be paying, what you shouldn't be paying, where you should be looking, and what you need. And if you're selling, TJAndersonHomes.com is the place to go. Why? Because thousands of people go to TJAndersonHomes.com on a daily basis. You want to list with TJ, people will see your home. That's right. TJ has numerous success stories. Many, many, many success stories uh, from his tenure here helping people out, and he can help you too. I, I know I say a lot of stuff, but trust me that I really believe in T.J. Anderson, and I believe in his crew. That's T.J. Anderson, part of Benchmark Realty, tjandersonhomes.com. Your road to real estate starts with my friend T.J. It's tjandersonhomes.com. Jared and the GM, 
ESPN 1025, the game. The Giants and Patriots renew one of the fiercest interconference rivalries in the NFL tonight in Foxborough. Each of their last five meetings have been decided by four points or fewer. The Giants have beaten the previously unbeaten Patriots. Two of which ended with Eli Manning hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Over the shoulder catch, gorgeous arching pass from Eli Manning. Once again, leads a Super Bowl winning fourth quarter comeback. But Eli is out, and Danny Dimes is in, up against his toughest test yet. Jones to the five, touchdown Giants! What a performance by Daniel Jones. The Patriots have won 18 straight games against first or second year quarterbacks. Two backs on each hip for Luke Falk. Lobs it down the middle, it's intercepted at the 40-yard line by Devin McCourty. That is the longest streak in NFL history. Thursday night football tonight, Patriots and Giants. And Floyd, I, I, you know, I think the Patriots will win by 500 tonight. <laughs> but if you look at who's out for the Giants, Saquon's out, um, Gallman from Clemson is out, Sterling Shepard is out, the other receiver is out, the tight end is out. So it's basically Daniel Jones against the Patriots. But isn't there something wrong about Thursday night football? Just something a little bit wrong about Thursday night football? When it's an interconference matchup against teams that see each other once every four years, like well, how the hell is Daniel Jones going to be prepared for the New England Patriots in three days? Well, I mean, it's going—it's near impossible, you know. But the uh, the other side quarterbacks in the same predicament, you know. Now it happens to be Tom Brady, so this isn't a great example, but. You know, when when you, I mean, we played uh, we played Jacksonville on Thursday night, and they had a kid that never ever played, came out and beat us. So, I mean, it's it, it, I don't. Uh, to me, it's just another game. You know, it's not unless you're one of the teams that hasn't seen the opposite team for four years, you don't know. You know, I don't know how many times Carolina has played. Seattle, for example. I don't know. I, I could care. I just, the next game's up, and that's the one I'm watching. But, like, I read an article Matt Castle wrote about what it's like to play on Thursday Night Football. Oh, yeah. And it's like there's just not enough time oh, to get yeah. deep into your opponent yeah. and to practice deep into your opponent. And I'm reading that, and I'm thinking about Brady. You know, a team with a veteran quarterback, Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, one of those guys. Evan Evans. They They could literally, you could just go up to them and tell them what to look for, and they would be able to take that into a game. It's like Steve McNair didn't have to practice when you guys were out there because Steve would just be, he'd be fine. That's not the case for Daniel Jones. Right. That's not the case for rookie quarterbacks. And I know everybody has to play a Thursday night game and that you don't get to pick who's on your schedule and things like that. But a lot of these Thursday night games are Tennessee-Jacksonville, Carolina-Tampa Bay. Um, last week, the Rams and the Seahawks. You know, Russell Wilson, I think, has a pretty good idea of what to expect from Wade Phillips' defense, and I think McVay and Goff have a pretty good idea of what they're getting into with Seattle. Right. I just think it's a little crazy that we're that we're going to put an interconference game on Thursday night football, especially when one team has a guy who's played 20 seasons and the other guy has played five Two games. games. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that, that, that just does not – and I'm not here to sit there and cry about what's fair and what's not fair. But what is Pat Shermer? I, what, Daniel Jones, it's going to be like backyard football out there tonight. 
Oh, yeah. Hey, Daniel, Especially with go all get those him. injuries. Although, you know what? The truth is, whoever they played, if they had all those injuries, that may not be a factor anyway. Right. They, they still lose by 500 to yeah, the Patriots. Yeah. But it's but then on some of those injuries, you don't, you're not able to get guys back because you playing on Thursday and not on. But, you know, the NFL can't control that. I just think it's. I think it's a little crazy to have an AFC-NFC matchup on a Thursday. Well, That's... I don't think there's any doubt that if it was a division game or somebody that you play, I mean, it would the the outcome of the game, the 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 production of the teams would be better mm-hmm. simply because they would know each other better. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I still think it goes back to when Fox bought the package. CBS and NBC had the package, and they were like. We're not going to pay the same money for the package. So we're losing money on it. We're not going to pay the same money. So do whatever you want. Fox came in, offered more money, but one of the conditions was, hey, we want to take games that would be on Fox, and we want to put them on Thursday night football. And that's why, like last year, Saints-Cowboys was a Thursday night game. That's a number one Fox game. Fox says, let's put it on Thursday. Eagles-Packers a couple weeks ago would be a number one you know, game of the week. Fox, game of the week, Packers-Eagles, let's put it on a Thursday. And I think this is an example of this probably wouldn't be the number one game of the week on Fox, but it would probably be the number two game of the week on Fox. So why not put it on Thursday night when we're all going to watch it? And, you know, I mean, we're all going to watch it. So I'm going to the Preds game tonight, but I'll be sure to check out, see what's going on. But I just, I just find it to be so unfair to the Giants and their young quarterback. That's take on Bill Belichick and the Patriots on a short week. Tom Brady. Yeah, like, come on. On a short week. Yeah, Yeah. this is ridiculous. All right, it's time for Ask the GM. Load up the phone lines for Ask the GM. 615-737-1025 is that phone number. 615-737-1025. Everything's on the table with Floyd. Football, hockey, Whatever. Just don't ask any baseball because I don't want to hear about the Braves right now. 615-737-1025. 615-737-1025. I missed it. I was young before. Uh, and the best call. Listen to this prize right here, Floyd. The best question for the GM will receive a pair of tickets to see Thomas Rhett at Bridgestone Arena on Saturday. That's right. Last chance to get some free Thomas Rhett tickets for Saturday. Have the best call for Floyd at 615-737-1025, and those are yours. And I've told you, Floyd, I think Thomas Rhett might be the most talented dude in Nashville that's a singer-songwriter. That'll be a good good concert. So a good Good show, Thomas Rhett, if you've got the best call for the GM, 615-737-1025, ask the GM. Presented by Bob Snake at Chap House in Bellow Windows of Nashville and is next on Jared and the GM at ESPN 1025 The Game.